Welcome to Splunk Talk, a Splunk podcast that's all Splunk and no junk. I'm your host, Birch, here with co-host Hal. This is episode season two, episode 10, and we'll soon be joined by Patrick Pablo. But before we go any further, let's check in. Hal? Hi, Birch. How's it going? Hi, how are you doing? I'm <laughs> doing okay. <laughs> so you, you made it through the intro, uh, yeah. despite me changing my virtual background. Uh, thoughts? I know. Uh, I, I enjoyed the challenge. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's just you didn't change it to anything that could have been visually distracting. So I was, <laughs> I was all set. <laughs> For those listeners to the audio only, uh, I basically Star Wars hyperspace uh, animation behind my head right now. Yeah, it's intense. So I will, um, I'll relax that one just a little bit uh, so that we can actually, you know. You're going to come out of hyperspace? I'm going to come out of hyperspace. Well, now, now you're making me like overthinking. I'm like, okay, well, where am I going to land? You know? Oh. This will do. What Still system is that? Mm, um, I don't know that one off the top of my head. If it were like the horse head nebula or something, then I would have said, you know, it's the horse head nebula, but. I didn't think well, it's Splunk, so it would have to be the pony head nebula. I mean, I've got options. I got a lot of space options. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Anyway. Speaking of space, I have been uh, spending every two weeks, I've been watching one of the Star Wars movies with really? a friend of mine over Zoom. And I never thought we'd actually be in quarantine long enough to watch <laughs> all the movies. <laughs> But lo and behold, it looks like we're getting there. Yeah, that's We've lovely. got two left. <laughs> we did... Uh, did you really... Did, did, what, which order? Did you use machete order? No. Well, kind of. Okay. N- A modified uh, machete? Chronological? So we, uh, we, we did them in um, perceived quality order. Oh, okay. So it's, it was um, uh, The Last Jedi. That's eight, right? And then um, the most recent one, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Okay. You started then, there. Okay. Yeah. Started with and eight then, and nine. Okay. And then went to Solo. Okay. But then decided to cap off the side movies with um, Rogue One. No, I no. Really liked no, 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 no. I'm sorry. We didn't do Rogue One then, because then we went... A did new you do home. the Muppet special? <laughs> no. Okay. No, but we did do Rogue One. So in terms of like quality, we were kind of grouped together all the ones that okay. we personally weren't very fond of. Okay. Although, uh, you know, there, episode one's getting a whole new uh, uh, life blo- uh, breathed into it, thanks to um, Dave Fillion. The like heir apprentice, uh, heir apparent of uh, Star Wars. Okay. Um, I'm not cut up on, on that particular development. Yeah, so we did one, then two, then three, then Rogue One, then four, okay. then five. We've got six, and then we'll do The Force Awakens. Okay, that is an odd order for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you heard of the, and I don't remember for, I can do the whole thing, uh, but the machete, the machete. order. I, yeah. I used to do that one. You have, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's basically, you know, skip a couple of the, the prequels. Right. Well, it's it's four, five, and so now you two, learn... And never... Th- no, no. Something like that? Four, five, two, three, six. Okay, skipping one. That's what it was. Skipping one entirely, but not letting you hear any of the backstory of Anakin until you get the reveal about why that matters in okay. five. Yeah. Yeah. So again, all Splunk, no junk. <laughs> it's it's Medichlorians, man. Hey, uh, have we talked about your new role? Do you want to? Yeah, we could a little bit. Um, so when I started at Splunk eight and a half some odd years ago, the I was a builder of things, a solution architect. You know, I was uh, taking things and mashing them together and creating integrations and apps, and that was cool. I believe that part of your career is referred to as when I was a young warthog. <laughs> I could actually sing that song in tune, by the way. I don't know that we ever oh. discussed that. Um, maybe not now. Um, 
I think that's all our <laughs> listeners want right now is a little yeah. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just if you keep going, then I'm going to, anyway. <laughs> so uh, then I was a developer evangelist. Um, it means no a, worries. Oh, come on. <laughs> a developer evangelist. Oh, yeah. I was a developer evangelist for a little while. And that, that was a fun role. Um, and then I did that for about a year. And then I was a specialist in our IT markets group. Did a bunch of DevOps stuff. That was cool. I mean, all my jobs were cool. I, I like enjoyed each of these things. Um, and then I uh, became an SE, so a pre-sales engineer. Did that for three and a half years. Uh, and then my newest role as of uh, just a couple months ago or so um, is, uh, let's see, the full title is a little bit, uh, it was a global sales engineering uh Director of pre, uh, director of technical interlock for core, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a mouthful, but basically, yeah. um, it's it's kind of you know, building programs and helping us to do what we do better. So nice st- strategy and you know just kind of making uh, you know kind of taking uh, a bigger a higher view of what it is that we do in the SE land and try to make it better. So I'm liking it. It's it's fun. Speaking of making things better, this uh, recording just got better because Patrick uh, just joined us. We have a guest. And we have a guest. And um, Patrick has some cool stories to tell us about making things better. But um, I also want to hear all about your background and time here at Splunk. Patrick, can you give us a little bit about who you are? What should our listeners know about you? Sure. Hey, everyone. My name is uh, Patrick Pablo. I've been at Splunk for six years. I just passed my six-year anniversary uh, beginning of June. Um, so I started, yeah, I started in 2014. Um, I was hired on by the very first director of community, Rachel Perkins. Um, she created community <laughs> at Splunk. I think um, her name comes up every episode now. <laughs> <laughs> She is a legend, uh, for yeah. sure, and you know I definitely have much, you know, many thanks to her for just where my career path has 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 gone and how much it's grown um, to where it is today. Um, I don't know if a, a lot of uh, there's a good handful of folks that know this, but I actually used to be a a college and career counselor before I came to um, before I came to Splunk. So this was uh, you know completely like left field for me. Like I didn't know anything about Splunk. I didn't know anything about the data, the world of data. Um, and I just learned everything from scratch. And I, you know, it was, it was very scary to me, you know, honestly. Um, I, I met, you know, the reason why I came to Splunk is as a college and career counselor, I was helping a coworker with uh, um, a middle school career day. And, you know, there were over 30 professionals from different um, different companies, industries, speaking to middle school kids about how um, you know just to just to learn about just the different opportunities that are out there outside of being a doctor, or a lawyer, or a dentist. And um, Rachel was there talking about her job at Splunk, and I was in charge of moderating the classroom to make sure students were behaving and engaging and asking good questions. Um, and uh, she, you know, after her presentation, I remember going up to her and not trying to find a new job. I was just like, hey, you know, I was like, I, you know, I loved hearing about your, your, what you do. It sounds like what I do, similar, you know, but just a different industry. Uh, and then she just handed me her email and she's like, oh, we should talk sometime. And I never thought anything of it for like about a week. And then, then it hit me. I'm like, you know, it's not going to hurt for me to learn about something completely, you know, um, unfamiliar to me, and I think it'd be cool to just kind of pick her brain about things. So I actually met up with her at the Splunk office at 250 Brannon. It was a uh, trap. I know it totally was a trap, right? And, uh, <laughs> it's a trap. And, I, <laughs> and it was. I remember. I've never, I've never been inside like a, a tech company really at that point. Well, actually, I lied. I've been to Google because my sister works <laughs> works at Google. But um, you know, I. I went in there and I actually drafted up 25 questions that I wanted to ask her um, the night before. Um, and we just sat on a couch and she actually brought Christopher Gales um, to the conversation too. Um, since, you know, Rachel used to be the director of documentation and Chris took things over. Um, so I just had a chat with the both of them and I just, um, uh, asked them my 25 questions about Splunk and how they got there. You got you know, through all 25 questions? 
I think I did. I think in, in you know in conversation, uh, she kind of just hit on a bunch of things already. So I was just crossing things off the list. So oh. I didn't need to ask literally all twenty five. <laughs> I you did have one. That's awesome. You were like, "Hi, yeah. nice to meet you. How are you doing today?" And then she was like, <laughs> "I'm doing great." And also, uh, the weather is great. And you're like, "Cool, that's one, and that's number two. Okay, exactly. Got it. I had all my bases covered. Um, yeah." But, you know, it's the conversation went really well. And at the end of it, she was like, you know, I'd love to get your resume if you're interested in this summer internship opportunity. And, you know, I happened to update my resume the night before just in case. And I pulled it out immediately. And I remember Chris Gale saying, nice. oh, he's good. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, uh, prepared. he came prepared. Yeah. And next thing I knew, um, she sent me on phone interviews with uh, two other colleagues, um, one from support and uh, a product manager who ended up joining the community team um, later that year. And it had that's pretty much how my career started at Splunk, learning everything from scratch. Awesome. So what is it that, um, what, what are the areas of, of what, what does community mean, you know, to the company and the areas that you're responsible for? Yeah. Um, it's very interesting to me because I, I came from a background of doing community building and organizing, not around, uh, you know, uh, you know, an enterprise company and a software, but just, you know, um, identity based groups, um, uh, especially throughout college. And even in my, my job as a college and career counselor, I was building community amongst the students and families and um, empowering, you know, students to try to figure out why they should be going to um, to different you know colleges and universities and or other forms of post-secondary um, education and coming to Splunk I was like what does community mean at a software company like that's how how you know completely new I was to this idea of community management as a, a, a career and, um, and and its own industry um, and so when I came to Splunk honestly I was just kind of taking you know taking things in as as i came i was like cool let me just learn the basics about splunk um and start diving into splunk answers our technical q a forum <clears throat> and really that's where i started to see the beauty and the value of community for organizations where um you know i just people are just helping each other out no they're not being asked to do this um people that just love the technology. They love um, the product. They love us as a brand and as a company. Um, and they, it just got really great vibes seeing people want to share all their years of expertise and knowledge that they've built up with using our product for real world use cases over time. And then, you know, applying that to um, getting people to the same level that they're at because, um, as many, I think back then, something that was said very often was, how do we get people to have that aha moment with Splunk, right? Where it's that. just like, oh, what, what is this like really complex, seemingly complex product? And, um, you know, like there's some other tools out there that we use. Why should I choose Splunk over something else? But then when you have that expert out there, that's like, oh, trust me, I, I was where you were maybe like two, three, four years ago. Um, but once I really got my like hands into it and got to play around with it more and I broke it several times, fixed it several times and, you know, developed these best practices that, you know, it's they can spin up a Splunk deployment just like that. Like when they can get other people to that same level of understanding and excitement, it's like, oh, wow, this is um, this is great. And it, 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 con it converts people to to understand um, to want to choose Splunk over other solutions that are out there. And, and I think it's just cool that there's this organic relationship building and energy that kind of thrives off of um, people thrive off of one another and, um, you know, it, it was just great to see just real relationships being built, right? Is people only know each other via username. It's not like they're, um, getting to see each other in person all the time. But then when we go to dot conf every year, and I remember my first dot conf, I, I knew everyone's usernames because I literally read 100% of every single question that came into the forum, every single answer, every single comment. Um, wow. Superhero. Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's really how I learned Splunk. I was reading questions from people who were equally as clueless as me, but I was reading experts answers all the time. So even though I wasn't using Splunk for my day job, I was just reading about these solutions and real working solutions for people um, all the time. 
And so that's kind of how I've, I've absorbed all of my Splunk knowledge. And when I went to .conf, um, and this is a time too where they still used to show, uh, you know, Splunk answers usernames on on badges. Mm-hmm. And so I'd meet people and shake hands, and I'd look down at their badge. I'm like, oh, I know who you are. And there's like, wait why do you know who I am? I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm that one dude that's just floating around. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're that guy that makes my posts more understandable to, you know, to other people. I was like, yes, um, that was, that was me. And it's funny because I always um, questioned myself when I, when I came to Splunk and, you know, I, I didn't read, I didn't understand more than half of the things I was reading usually to start. So I'd have to do my own research in Splunk documentation, look at other Splunk answers, look at other things that um, people have posted on the web um, about Splunk just to make sure I understood what I was reading and how I could optimize it for search um, for other people to, to find the same solutions. And um, I, I think it was, it, it was just really cool to be in a position where I could still contribute to community, um, to Splunk, and at the same time learn. At the same time. Well, not only did you contribute, but that turned into an honor. I think this past was it this past year or the year before, right? Where where you made a uh, an honorary trust member. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, this past dot com nineteen in in Vegas. Um, I mean, it was a surprise to me because no one told me. And uh, there was this induction ceremony that happens for the trust um, at every dot com, usually on the first that Monday night. And you're there uh, because it's your crew. You didn't know right. that you were getting anything. Well, that's the thing. I wasn't even in the room because there was there was things happening at a different time. So I was actually on the source pavilion and the expo expo floor, just um, you know, helping to staff the, our community booth. And then suddenly I get like a, a text message, but I, I mean, I didn't see it like right away until someone ran up to me and they're like, uh, you're needed somewhere. And I was like, wait, what? And then they just told me to run to some other room and I'm like, uh, okay. So I just like dropped whatever I was doing because um, apparently my name was called as an honorary Spunk Trust member <laughs> in this other room where they were doing their award ceremony. And then everyone looked around the room. They're like, where's Patrick? And my manager at the time was like, oh, I don't think anyone told him he was supposed to be. Here. So, so uh, it was fun. I, I ended up uh, making it um, towards the end, and um, it, was, it was interesting because I was like, "Oh, I didn't even know I would be eligible for that." Just because I, I thought, you know, I work for the Spunk community team, and I'm, I was like, "What I do for the community, and like what I, what I do with this for the Spunk Trust folks, it's like, I just do that just because I, I want to, honestly." And it's not. I never really think of it as something as me going above and beyond but it's just like oh the community is who i care about and yeah and and it, we had we had jason on recently and he talked a little bit about that and but the funny thing about technical community and, and like you know you me birch we've all been doing this for a long time as as a either a part of our jobs or, or most likely not even part of our jobs right it's just the way we are is that it's this realization that hey we're, we're building something it's technical yes yeah, enterprise software you know quote unquote how boring could it be but no it's like we're building this stuff for humans and, you know, we, we have all these, you know, needs that we're bringing with us to, you know, this area that we all find interesting. And it's like everybody gets together. We all find the same thing. Yeah, cool. There, there's like friendships that happen. There's, you know, kind of an amplification. So it's like every, we're all kind of realizing this stuff, you know, at an early age, you know, years ago doing something else. And we're just bringing that with us. Yeah. So I think it's kind of like that like that like-minded spirit, you know, kind of you take it wherever you go. So you probably had it, you know, in your, your previous job, Rachel saw that and she was like, yeah, that's the kind of thing that we need here. And the trustees, they were like, yeah, he, he helps us do that even better. So yeah, a good, uh, I think it's, I think it's funny that, um, like in this podcast, I feel like we seem to only talk about the same, like five people. Like we had Chris yeah. on, we had Jason yeah. on, we talk about Rachel. Like, well, you can see, we're going to think this company is like maybe 20 people big still. We probably should, yeah, branch out just a little bit next time. Yeah. We'll have to get Let's start name dropping other people. <laughs> name dropping other people. Okay, what's a good name I could drop? Because if you do that, then we've got to have that person on. It's like Beetlejuice, so it means we summon them. Jeff yes. Blake. Jeff Blake. Jeff Blake. Okay. So Jeff Blake was one of the cohorts of, of Wild back there in the early days of the podcast. So I think we definitely need to talk to Jeff Blake, see what he's up to. Yeah. Well, add him to the add him to the list. 
So Patrick, tell us about the recent developments. There, there's a timeliness to your appearance on the podcast right now. Yeah. Can I, well, before you do that, can I, can I yeah. say to Birch, we got to work on your segues, man. Um, should they, should they like rock back and forth as I lean and I, I can move around the city on them and people will look at me oddly that, yeah, that's, that was my goal. My, yeah. So, um, yeah, please do tell us about the, the updates in the community. Um, but before you do that, what I would like to ask actually, uh, tell us about kind of the evolution of the answers platform and, and why it came about and, and then you can kind of get to where we are today. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so the the old platform we're on was called Answer Hub, and we'd actually been with that platform for eleven years since two thousand nine. So that was actually at least that was like five years before I started working at Splunk. And I'm not and, asking um, you to bash the old platform. No, yeah. It was just you know oh, the, yeah. the 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 Q and A platform concept. Right, right. Um, you know, and I think it's just uh, you know as we've grown as a company, I think just uh, we really needed to uh, think more deeply about the community's experience. So, you know, all, we kind of, we talked about community programs. We talk about Slack answers over here, user groups over here. We have Slack over here, um, but it didn't really feel like a very cohesive community experience. Like there it didn't really feel like there was one central place where it's like, where can I find all things community? And regardless of where I am, you know, like it was in, a bunch of like journey. disparate solutions. Yeah, yeah, okay. and um, disparate solutions that you know um, had had their fair share of issues that we we wanted to um, wanted to address and hopefully improve for our users' experience over time, and uh, so we started looking at community platforms that could really bring that all together um, in one place because we like we thought like you know how awesome would it be you know if um, yeah we have this whole these forums but if we can have user groups have their own forums so they can connect with their members because that's something that we've always heard about um you know as, as a big ask from people is like it would be great if there could be some sort of collaboration space for us to build community amongst our members that's not just in slack where backscroll disappears after some time or um you know, or we only get to see each other in person once a month or every other month or quarterly. Um, how can we continue some interesting conversations and discussions or how can we have some longstanding resources for our new members um, uh, as they as they join the groups? And so, um, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty interesting going through the whole RFP process, looking at different community solutions out there because, you know, What's honestly- What's RFP was, stand for? Um, the, oh my goodness. I think request for proposals. request for yes for, yeah request for proposals is right yeah so you know we got um, we actually did you know RFP process and there were I think three vendors that we ended up um, making to the final rounds based on the requirements that we set on what we would like what would like to see in um, you know the future of our community platform and the capabilities. So just building on my my question, so was the process like? like for people that aren't familiar with an RFP process, like you, you say, okay, these are, um, all the requirements or all the things that I want. Uh, and like vendors out there, like the, the gates are open, come court us and show us your wares and, um, and, and see if you align with those things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was interesting, you know, like over t over the past several years, there have been different vendors here and there that have tried to reach out to us like, hey, you have like a growing community. We'd love to, you know, um, get in a conversation with you. But, you know, at those times, like we didn't really have the resources to be able to just make a switch to a new technology before. Um, but it was more so in the past um, year and a half where we've really seen a lot of um, great changes and investment in, you know, in community. And uh, it was it was the opportune time to really start that the process uh, middle of last year um, and you know going to towards the end of the RFP, RFP process at the end of 2019 um, that's when we really started um, honing in on you know possible two possible vendors that we th thought would be uh, a good fit for what we needed for the future of our community and we ended up choosing one and that, and that was um, that was uh, that was Koros, and you know, out of the box, of course, any platform, nothing was going to be perfect. Like the thing is, with our old platform, we were it was so highly customized. So imagine eleven years of just what all these different one-off customizations to create this a certain experience for our users on that platform. But unfortunately, you know, there wasn't um, 
a really great upgrade path for us to to sustain the platform that was usable for everyone. And so um, moving to this new Like one, the underlying engine was like we had like four, I'm picturing like we forked off from like the main code base right. to the point that like getting back on that main path to like upgrade to a more modern thing, right? Because all these platforms over time start to feel antiquated. The user experience really starts to drag compared to the innovations that have come out right. there. Some technical debt. Yes. Yeah. We were yeah. just way out there and, and and now there was, even if we did that, it would have been an uplift just the same as moving elsewhere. Is is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we were able to find something that was going to allow us to integrate other areas of our community that would make it a lot more of <clears throat> seamless experience. And so we're actually in the works of trying to, you know, um, connect our user group site to the the new platform so we can actually have that back and forth um you know discovery of user groups right so unless people know about the user groups website they you know they they might not necessarily know that there's a local spunk user group in the area and like oh i could connect with other local Splunk um, customers in the area and kind of pick their brains about how they're using it and see how I can bring that to my organization um, and solve these additional problems I didn't know we had for one. And um, and so being able to f see user groups within like, you know, the, the, this community hub where people are already going to for Splunk answers and like, oh, there's user groups and, oh, there's one in my area. They can join, uh, ideally, we should be able to join from there and then it, 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 they would talk to, to each other. So if I join in the Splunk community site, I'm already a member of the group in the user group site, right? And, and vice versa. Um, but yeah. How um, that, that inspires a tangential question, but I mean, I know you're active with the um, user groups as well. Uh, how, how have you seen, t tell us about the adjustments made, um, what with uh, social distancing. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it, it looks like they, the user groups didn't miss a beat. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think that really speaks to the leaders of the groups, right? It's like, they were like, you know what, even though we have to shelter in place, we have technology and let's use it to still continue to build these connections and keep things going. Um, and to be honest, same thing, right? I, I, I think for all of us, right? I've, I've never thought I'd be able to work from home 100% of the time. I was like, oh, I would never in my life be able to do that, right? But then you get forced in this situation where it's like, oh, I, we have no choice and we have to adapt and adjust. And I think that really like pushes us to to grow and to think of um, solutions to, to new challenges. And, and I think the same thing happened with user groups, right? And it has a lot to do with the people that are passionate about continuing to build these communities, re regardless of whether you're, you're physically together with each other in one space and or making it 100% virtual. But the thing that's been really cool with making it 100% virtual to adapt to the global pandemic is people can join user groups from anywhere around the world. Like you're not just confined to, oh, I'm only in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can only go to that user group. But it's like, oh, there's a user group over in um, in Honolulu. And hey, I'm, I don't have, I have a, like a free slot. It looks like their meeting is starting now. Why don't I just hop on, on Zoom and you can learn some cool Spunk stuff and um, you never had to travel thousands of miles just to, just to get there and experience the same learning that other people do in that area. And I, I bet it's it funny. affords the ability to get like guests that would otherwise have been like cost prohibitive to, to get. What were you going to yeah. say, Hal? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in that role before uh, you leading the uh, the user group in Atlanta and working to try and get a speaker to come to Atlanta. It's possible. It's definitely doable, especially in some metro areas, but it takes a lot of work and, and, you know, you're basically taking someone, you know, out of their, you know, the travel commitment. That's, that's a huge deal. So this might make it easier to get speakers to participate in different areas. Yeah. Uh, and, and just kind of funny, like while we were talking about it, I, I had just happened to click over to user groups and, and was like, wow, that's interesting. I, you know what? I'm going to click the button. Oh, that's actually a convenient time. And I've actually <laughs> RSVP'd into one, you know, that's happening. See, it's working. So, yeah, Your new platform uh, working. Patrick was doing the Jedi mind trick. It's like while he was saying, and you can just find any that are starting now and you can join them. And how was like, yes, I will do that. Yes, I, will I will do, do that, that while we were talking. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing that's, um, that's pretty cool. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but the user groups platform changed in April too. Mm -hmm. So we were actually on this uh, platform, uh, the old site that was um, built in house 
for since 2015, I believe. And um, before you, you didn't even. Now that's have... one I, I might actually bash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so yeah, it was it was really sad because uh, honestly like that that took up hours of my life i think mm-hmm. in like 2017 to 2018 i was just like oh my gosh like i feel like i'm managing and troubleshooting and bug reporting for this technology that's not my job i'm a community manager i should be helping to build and develop a community not work as this qa person and you know, like all doing all this like other i felt like i was just wearing so many different hats that i shouldn't have had to <laughs> during that phase um and so what's really nice is even something as simple as going to the user group site and already seeing what are all the upcoming meetings in chronological order and regardless of where they are you already could identify like oh cool like um having to being able to see other groups events um queued up um mm-hmm. is something that we something so simple as that we didn't have before and that makes uh, a big so and, and we're, we're a data company and i don't know if you're, you're prepared to talk to this so that's okay if not but do you have any metrics on and like how the different sites uh, have been or, or are used, uh, you know, as far as like number of answers or you know number of participants in different parts of the site? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and yeah, actually, we just um, I'm trying. Hopefully, I can remember all the numbers off the top of my head because we actually presented this to uh, mark our marketing group. Um, you yesterday. know, the good thing here is it's uh, it's like what people told me at my bar mitzvah. You could be wrong, and no one's gonna know. <laughs> Well, yeah. So I think um, there are over, there were over, or about a hundred user group meetings. I think since um, the user group site changed in April. So I think globally there are about a hundred. When you say changed, it moved over to the new Coros platform. No. So the um, the user group site is actually a different platform called on called okay. Bevy. Yeah, yeah. So okay. that's a that's a it's a user group specific platform, um, and so that. Um, there are about 100 meetings, I believe, since it launched. Um, so user group meetings globally. Um, there are, I think, three to four new user groups with just within, I think, the, the past two weeks. Um, there were like three or four new user groups in India that just started, and they're the first user groups ever um, in, in that region. Uh, there's one new one in Czech Republic, and I think there are a couple new ones in the United States as well. So I think there are nine new user groups that started up within the past two weeks. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, I believe there's since the migration to the new Bevy site, um, there have been there's been an increase in 1,200 new members on the user group site. So, um, 1,200 new folks have joined local user groups um, mm-hmm. around the world within uh, within that time. Um, and then for Splunk answers, uh, we'd actually for the past couple quarters had hovered around 1.8 million page views uh, per month, um, and since uh, after the first 30 days of moving to the new the new Coros platform, we've actually broke over 2 million for the first time, um, which mm-hmm. is pretty pretty awesome. Um, there are over 4,000 um, posts uh, within those 30 days after, so including new questions um, and replies, um, 300, about 300 solutions, um, so like 300 select, um, accepted answers uh, on the site. Um, I believe there's one other metric in there that I can't remember. That's okay. Right now, but yeah. So, what do you think? I mean, what What's the most impact, or what What is your favorite area of, of these different sites, and and you know what's what's kind of been like your favorite thing to track and see grow over time? Yeah, I think um, I think for well for the the user group site, anyways, like we actually have there's actually. Um, analytics in you know an analytics dashboard that we as leaders can see for our own groups like we never had that before so just being able to see um the people that are number of people that are rsvping versus the number of people that actually attended and what's really cool is there's a check-in feature so as members show up on your zoom meetings um you can just check people off so you can see how many people are actually attending versus rsvping since Mm -hmm. i think it's it's roughly about like 50%, I think, actual attendance for according to the number of RSVPs, but it's kind of hit or miss kind of depending on um, on the season and also the, the topic. Um, so just being able to have immediate um, insight into um, those numbers in the platform right away has been pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think for... Uh, for the new Coral site, I feel like there's just a lot more admin capabilities that we had that we've never had in, in uh, before. Um, so there were 
there's been you know emails coming in from different users that might have some maybe there's some like hiccup that they had with their account um, and or maybe uh, when with the migration from answers to the new site they I think it didn't sync up with their existing account that was moved over and I don't know before, anyone who had that. <laughs> right, <laughs> we're just one of them. and yeah. uh, you know, I think uh, before we'd have to go through a whole support ticket process with the vendor, um, kind of twiddle our thumbs and wait until they could make some changes on the back end from from their side. But for us as as admin, I was able to just go in there, and users that have been emailing about um, these issues are like, oh my goodness, what a like, quick turnaround! Like that was amazing. Thank you so much for the customer experience and support. I'm like, yeah, and I, I'm just thankful that I actually have more capabilities to help users out if they have any issues with the platform. I think that's what makes you um, so effective in in your job, uh, if I do say and, and flatter you, hopefully, is uh, <laughs> you, you, I just feel like the word choice you use, it, it shows that you're, for you, being able to do something like that, it's not about like, oh, cool, I have more control and I can do more nifty things. For For you, it's like, Oh, a customer, a user is trying to do something, and when I can't help them with a fast response, I emote. Like, like you, you, you actually feel bad for them. And so the way you said that was like, yeah, now I can like get them on their way right away. And they're like, whoa, that was really fast. And it was just like there was a tone in the way you said it that it became made clear that like you're so passionate about this that you feel for the user's frustration when they're having it. I think that's part of what makes makes you receive the high honors of, hey, do you want to come in for an intern program? And boy, you're prepared and all the way to, um, you know, now you're your uh, Splunk Trust honoree and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I think that's just kind of been like my nature. I feel like I I was like, want to help people. Right. Like it's interestingly, I was supposed to um, my my parents were very disappointed in uh, when I first went to college, and I I changed my major from computer science to sociology. Actually, how interesting and, how it came full circle. Yes, and I remember having this conversation with my mom. She's like, "Why did you like leave computer science in a technical area of study? Like you're so good at math, right?" And I remember hearing that a lot from her. But then I, I remember I came to a realization. I was like, "Yeah, I'm good at math, but I enjoy helping people with math." more so than me doing math like myself, I guess. And, yeah. and that's when I started kind of thinking like, oh yeah, I just, um, and I started really developing that sense of self and like, what is it that gets me going? And it's like, oh, I just, I love helping people. I love building community with folks around something that we're all very passionate about. And um, and the same thing too, I, I feel like I brought that with me when I came to Splunk and it's like, how do I, um, bring that passion and that, that drive for wanting to help people connect with each other and get the support that they need to be successful with whatever it is that they want to do. Would you describe yourself as uh, like an extreme extrovert? No, actually, I'm very much, I'm actually very much an introvert. And um, it, it was very interesting because I, you know, even in college, like I didn't learn public speaking really until I, I went to Cal. And, um, and that's actually how I you know, how I ended up in college and career counseling is I was part of student organizations that went out to local high schools and community colleges and spoke to students about all the different post-secondary options that were out there. And um, I remember standing in front of, you know, in front of uh, classrooms with my hands, like shaking and looking at a paper and reading things verbatim because I just didn't have enough confidence in being able to, uh, you know, in the, in the material of whatever, whatever I was presenting on. Um, but over time, I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually, I'm, getting a lot more comfortable and confident in being able to do this. Um, but I was like, does that mean I'm becoming an extrovert or have I always been an extrovert this entire time? But then I, then I started really kind of just like thinking to myself, you know, it's, I talked to, um, I don't know if you all know V Raptor or Nadine Miller, uh, mm -hmm. right. It's just, and a lot of other folks too. I think even folks like Rachel, we always talked about how when we need to be on, we can be on and it, but it does expend a lot of social and mental energy. And then same thing for dot conf, right? Like I'm actually, I feel like I'm on 12 to 14 hours straight oh, yeah. a day. You probably and sleep then, really well. <laughs> yeah. And then I need to go back to my hotel room. And I was like, I need to shut things off and I need to recharge my social, social energy to be able to, <laughs> to expend for, for the next day. Um, Cause I think, you know, uh, with shelter in place, like I, 
it was i mean it's has been hard and also not so hard just because i'm like yeah i've always been a video gamer like i can play for hours on end i love like enjoying that time to just spend and do my own thing and do mm-hmm. problem solving in a, a different world um but it's uh yeah i feel like i'm an introverted extrovert yeah i'm an introvert well, it's extrovert. really we're, we're in the field so you know this is yeah. working from home <laughs> this is like second nature yeah but it is it is really interesting because you would think like our, i'm sure there are listeners out there who are hearing and you know there might be some young people in, in college i hope who are listening in and through all the different roles of, of people that we bring into the podcast it's giving them a sense of opportunities that are out there and also demonstrating what I know I was always told, which is like, you know, X percent of uh, of the college undergraduates are going to be in jobs in 10 years that don't exist today. And so, like, I could I could see what, what you're doing with like this digital community like that would definitely have not existed so many years ago. So, you know, going through school and being someone who's like, oh, I. I don't know what I want to do. Do I want to do computer science? Do I want to do psychology? And what, you know, the, the pressure of parents being like, well, what, what are you going to actually do with that? And just like, I don't know. It hasn't been invented yet. And then well, even adding into a, that, a like, like contrarian, yeah. like we don't know if it's going to be invented yet. So all we can do is just kind of figure out what our strengths are, build those strengths up and it's going to be an evolution and you're going to, you know, uh, nobody wants to be a, a, a what, what do you call it, a buggy whip? You know, nobody's going to study to be a buggy buggy whip, but <laughs> there's probably some skills there that the buggy whip actually was able to transition into. And yeah, we, uh, we you know, humans and they are, became are great baseball at, players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like as humans, like we're great at predicting things, uh, except for the future. So I think as long <laughs> as we just have a little bit of humility about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's why I I loved doing college and career counseling, and I actually still do it randomly on the side, just um, with friends, family, and sometimes random strangers, like in like lift rides. Um, you know, when I was doing it a little bit more often before, but um, you know, and the same thing, right? I came from being a college and career counselor, and I still somehow ended up in in, in tech. Um, unex- you know, and, and that was a huge random surprise to to my to my parents, and um, and that was something that I wanted to get across to them too. Is like, you know, as human beings, we're so multifaceted. We have so many different skills that don't just need to live in any one industry or one place. Um, like, I feel like we all have very transferable skills, but I think it's a matter of connecting to people to really connect the dots and understand, like, what is it that I do today that actually can go into the tech industry. And so um, something else that I do at Splunk is uh, I'm a, I'm a employee resource group leader. Um, so I actually uh, co-founded and I co-chair on the Pelopinex ERG at Splunk, which is for um, the Filipino community of Splunkers um, within the company. And when we, uh, I remember when we, maybe like three years ago or four years ago, I only knew about like four or five like Filipinos and um now we have over 80 Filipinos in our in the community, and um, so many people have like you know mentioned to us like, oh, it's been this is the first company I've ever worked at, and I've worked you know they've been working for like 10, 20 years in 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 the industry, and like this is the first time like there's been an employee resource group for my community and for my identity, and it really really means a lot and. Um, and I brought all of that from my time at Cal where I was doing student community building and organizing. Um, but it was primarily around, uh, you know, making sure there were underrepresented groups that understood the opportunities that were out there that they might not otherwise be exposed to. Um, so something that we do with the ERG is we actually do um, outreaches to um, Filipino university students to talk to them about jobs in tech um, because you know we, we would love to be able to see more more folks um, like ourselves in the industry because we're not actually that well as well represented. Um, and so we actually spoke at UC Berkeley um, back in March to about like 20 or so students, um, students from all, you know, all different types of majors, but we really wanted them to understand that like, hey, you're all doing some really cool stuff. Like when I was at, at, at Berkeley, I didn't under, realize that I was doing program management, project management, um, budgeting, um, you know, event planning, like all these things I didn't realize, like, oh, those are real skills for real jobs that are out there. Um, but and I didn't have a mentor or someone that was telling me like, hey, you know, you can use those for all these different industries. Like I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm helping students get into college, therefore I can only stick in education. Mm-hmm. Um, but realizing like, oh, wow, I have these other skills that 
actually can work in, in tech and, um, you know, any other areas that, that need my skill set. That, that's super important. I mean, because you, we, we have these perceptions that are, that are built up over time that, you know, they, they often come from outside influences. And when you're young, you, you might not know better. You might just take that as the given and, you know, having somebody else with a, with another perspective is super important. Yeah. So, very commendable. Um, Hal says that I'm um, bad at segues, so I'm gonna <laughs> so make a you're very stick uh, to that reputation. <laughs> I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick to that. Um, I want to rewind, and I, 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 I want to just touch on like what what is the nature of of answers, and the other thing that I want to um, make sure that we cover is like how does one start a user group. Um, because I think that there could be misconceptions like, oh, you know, someone who works at Splunk has to start the user group or that being a misconception or like the, I know when I've talked with a lot of people new to Splunk, there's a lot of hesitation about like, oh, I can't ask that on um, the community because like it's uh, I don't really know what I'm it's doing. A, yet. It's a dumb question, that kind of thing. Are you saying my question is a dumb question with my bad segue? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I didn't know if that's what you were getting at. Yeah, yeah, and and we just haven't we we've been talking kind of about community as a whole, but I think understanding like what is the nature or pattern of like answers um, because it's such an incredible resource. Uh, I think it would be good for us to discuss that. Yeah, and it, I think it's uh, I actually I took an advanced online community management um, workshop. Uh, uh, end of two thousand nineteen, and um, it's very interesting to kind of hear about like these. Uh, kind of the general trends and rules that you kind of see with online communities, especially with forums. Um, there's this 99-1 rule where um, typically you see 90% of your community members as lurkers or people that are just, you know, they're there, um, they're logged in or sometimes it's anonymous. Um, they come I'm in from watching you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're just like, you know, um, they don't need to post anything. Like there's already a lot of awesome existing content that that lives in in the community space, and so oftentimes people never have to ask anything. They're just like, but they're oh, still considered an, an act. Like the point being, they're still an active user. They're still getting enrichment out of the platform. Yeah. It's not like someone who's just passing through. Right. Right. And so, um, and then there's the, so that's about 90% of folks. And then there's 9% of folks who contribute here and there, right? They ask questions. Um, they, you know, they're, they're not afraid to, to ask certain questions or if they, they feel confident and, and a certain area, they're like, Oh, cool. I think I, I can answer this. Um, you know, like so a lot of people start, start dipping into that 9% realm because cool I've been in this community for like one to two years I've gotten a lot of great information out, out of it I've used Splunk in my organization for like uh, you know um, pretty you know and I'm you know, pretty confident within I can actually share my knowledge now with other people just like other people in the community have done done for me um, and then there's 1% and that's typically where you see the Splunk trust members, right? Where they are, they live and breathe community um, and um, they're, they're pretty active. Um, and that's not just in Splunk Answers, but they're leaders of user groups or speaking at user groups, or they are um, on Slack constantly triaging um, questions and answering them. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, for my, my job as a community manager, I was like, how do I what? How did pers someone get from point A as a lurker to point B as as some of this uh, a one percent top contributor? Um, and how do I kind of how do we build that um, mm -hmm. excitement and growth for wanting to to help out and contribute um, to the community? What have you found to be the the secret sauce for that? You know, it's I'm actually. I mean, I don't think there's a, I think everyone has very different stories from the ones that I have spoken to. Like one of them, our number one contributor on the community site, his name is Samesh Sony. Um, some people think he's a robot because they were just like, I don't understand how he's able to answer some questions like so quickly and so efficiently and yet so very, very, um, in a very, just very clear and concise way. Um, and when I, I remember I, I did a, like a little interview his, with him. Uh, username? Some some Sony two so S O M E S O N I number two, um, and I, I did a little interview and actually did a blog post about him because he was the only user in the old platform to break a hundred thousand karma points, um, and yeah, 
yeah, I just, I just asked them a couple questions, kind of a little interview and like, you know, why, why is it that you got so engaged in the community? And, and for him, um, he honestly saw it as a playground for, as for, for himself. Like he, he thought like, yes, he uses Splunk in his organization within this very specific industry. Um, but there's so many other people out there that are using Splunk for so many different things. And he's like, how can I get some experience in other industries and helping them solve different Splunk problems without actually working for these companies? And so that's where he saw Splunk Answers as this opportunity to like, cool, let's this person from the healthcare industry, this person from the public sector, and these other folks are asking all these different questions, trying to solve pro- Splunk problems. And he was help- helping them answer them. And so he, he, he treated it as like a training ground, actually like, uh, for, for himself to um, figure out how he can solve interesting use cases that he might not otherwise be exposed to just within his own organization. Um, you know, I, I wonder in, in terms of the, the, that secret formula for getting someone to become that 1%, I, something that st- jumps out in my mind is, is the positivity. Because I, I know like it takes confidence to feel like you have the, the chutzpah to um, go and answer other people's questions. You might know the answer and you'll give a timid reply like, oh, I, I think it's documented here. Or I think you're talking about this feature. And then one thing that I think has been really incredible is that our platforms have maintained this sense of positivity. So even when there was like downvote functionality and it was really discouraged, it was more about like, no, if you agree, like give kudos, give an upvote, whatever. Um, and I think as someone submitting questions, when you start to see those things come in and you're like, oh, hey, that builds my confidence. Confidence. Okay, maybe I'll try it again. And it's like a positive reinforcement for it. Yeah, and definitely, I think it's, I felt like, I mean, honestly, I feel going into my first job in community management, I felt pretty spoiled jumping into the, the Splunk community just because I've been to community management conferences and I've met community managers for different industries and different companies and also just like other tech companies. And for some other people, it's like pulling teeth to get people to, to engage or, um, or just the, the vibes generally are might you know, like lean more towards the negative in some of theirs. And I, I, I feel pretty fortunate that like, um, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of good eggs in the, in the Splunk community that are just such champions for the culture um, and making sure things are staying positive and on course with, um, with the tone and that's been set. And really I, it's because that was already there. It's a like, cool, let's make sure that we continue to, to cultivate that and maintain that. And so what are processes and things that we can do as a community team to make sure that that continues um, to thrive. So um, jumping uh, jumping back, what does it take to start a new user group? Um, so, so the thing is, there, there wasn't a user group manager for a very long time. Um, so there was a time where it was only myself and Jason Hupka trying to do five people's jobs. And again, we're just naming the same five yes. people that work at the company. <laughs> and 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 as I remember, like being so stressed out because I was like, oh my gosh, there's people. Suddenly, there's this uptick in people wanting to start user groups, but I'm like. Answers is like a hundred. Oh, I thought you were insinuating job. Jason Hupka makes. Oh you no, no. no 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 no! <laughs> but it's just like we. we he was also him. looking over, you know, Splunk Trust program, and yeah. it was just it was just too much for us to juggle as a, um, you know, just between the us two only full time folks on the community team. Um, but last year, you know, Dylan Steele, he's the corporate, um, the head of corporate messaging um, and community for Splunk. Um, he took over the community team beginning of 2019, and honestly, he was he was a godsend for the community. Um, we would not be where we are today with these new technology investments if Dylan wasn't there helping to advocate for us and then the leadership level to make sure that, hey, community is important. We should not be leaving them behind. Let's make sure we, we put our investments into the, the people that you know are the reason for the success of our organization um, over the years. Um, and so I remember him asking me like, you know, I have some funding for, we were hiring for a director a community director at the time and he's like hey i happen to get funds for a new um a new position what do you think is important i'm like user groups please let's get a user groups focused person because i i we're doing you know the user groups land a disservice because they're 
people are you know, like reaching out and they really want to start up new user groups. They want to continue to build community in their local areas, but we just don't have the bandwidth to do it with just um, myself and Jason. And so Renee Woods um, was hired on um, spring of last year. And now now she's like really like fully ramping things up now, uh, since they moved over to the new Bevy platform, which is why within the past two weeks, there have been nine new user groups. She's setting up new user group training programs. So there's a whole onboarding process um, and also going through um, follow-up check-ins to kind of see like, oh, one month after you started your user group, two months after, like, how are you doing? Where do you need support? Wow. Um, and then hopefully also building a network of um, support amongst all the ex- user group leaders around the world so we can share resources with each other. Um, if there are speakers that have said, oh, I'm open to speaking at other user groups where other ones are struggling always to find a speaker, um, you know, there's uh, a lot of um, great um, information to be shared um, and best practices amongst um, folks trying to lead up those groups. And so to start a new user group now, um, uh, you just have folks just need to reach out to Renee Woods. Um, uh, just emailing usergroups at splunk.com. Um, One word, just, no dash. Yeah. And so she receives those emails. Um, and yeah, and then so she can kind of get, she can get them, you know, uh, all the initial information that they need in terms of what are the expectations, uh, the commitment, um, what, uh, what support is going to be offered from the Splunk side, and then also um, being able to connect with other user group now, leaders in the spaces that they have. Not, not to correct you, but I did want to point out that if you go to the community website and then you click on user groups, you will see a become a leader link. Ooh. And that takes you to a form, oh. which I'll bet yes. the form goes straight to her. Yes. Thank you for pointing awesome. that out because I was like, I haven't had to apply to be a user group leader myself <laughs> since yes, this program yes. started since I was already so on. Let's it, so save her you. email by all means. She's yes. the person. So, yeah. but yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's have people use that process. And yeah. one of the, one of the things that I, I love about the user groups is like, it, it always makes me think of like FUBU, like for us, by us. Like when I was a customer, at least, it was like, come to the user group. And I was like, oh, I don't need to go to another corporate conference or whatever, or like a sales pitch thing. And and people were like, no, 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 no. This no, is the opposite. No. This is like, like Splunk <laughs> oh God, employees. That, we would fail if, if that stay was. Out, stay outside. Like this is customers talking to customers and trying to help each other out without any any sort of pressure or or feeling of like you know big brother hanging over not that i even think our company has that type of feeling but it's it's a really cool thing to feel like hey the kids are running the house yeah and and that's how the thing with user groups is ideally they should be completely run and led by users but you know in some cases it is um, it is helpful to at least maybe at the start to get some support from local Splunkers that are there to um, say, especially if they're account reps, it's like they know other customers that are in the region. It's like, hey, FYI, there's a new user group that's um, started up in the area um, just to at least build awareness around things. Um, but there, we do have pretty strict rules around how Splunk employees should be engaging with any, any community spaces because people go to community for the purpose of getting help and support from other peers not to be sold to like it's um and that's really what we try to keep sacred amongst our community programs is um it should feel um it should feel like a community it shouldn't feel like a a a place for for sales and marketing and then um the the other one was uh on answers so if i um you know anyone out there is encouraged to just go to community.splunk.com and and they can find the means to just post on on the questions and answers forum. I I used to have some stats. I I think I worked with you on um, uh, a couple of years ago where we found that like the 50th percentile time for something to be answered was two hours. So in other words, if you posted any, any question, you were likely... You had a, a, a an average uh, uh, or half ha, you half, half of your chances time. <laughs> half the time yeah. median versus average um, would uh, you'd get an answer within two hours and I used to tell um, other people like dude two hours is much faster than waiting for me to respond to an email from you and yeah. and then I, I think it was uh, like the the highest and like the ninety fifth percentile was like twenty four hours and I was like even that a day is like that's incredible 
Yeah, and we're we're going through actually now that we're on this on new platform, we're really thinking through like, cool, what are all the possibilities of the different metrics and data that we can gather um, that are really interesting, and how do we use that to to measure? One is like health health of the community, um, but also some other things that are impactful um, for us as a team and also for for the organization. Um, and so we actually are. The, the past week and also going into the next couple of weeks, we're doing metrics exercises as a team to kind of just pie in the sky. What are all the questions that we could ask of the data that we have and what answers would we like to get out of that? Um, and then really digging into all the different areas where we're, um, where we can um, answer wow. those and report report on those things. So it's, it's exciting. Like we haven't really had the, the luxury of being able to do that, I feel like, and with previous tools. So I think with this, it's, um, um, you know, I'm really excited to see what we're going to be able to gather in, in the months to come. So we just have a couple of minutes left here, um, but you kind of position this into an interesting, you know, looking forward, like here's what what is coming next is we're going to look at the data and, and do things like that. You know, I realize there's limits to what we can say about what's forthcoming um, until things actually happen. But is there anything that that is appropriate to share? Anything you're excited about coming up? Um, I mean, like I think I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm really, really excited that we're going to be able to connect the experience between the community site and the user groups platform. Um, I, you know, it's, I feel like it's been a long time coming just to be able to have a more seamless experience um, for users to discover new user groups and also to continue to engage with members of their the, you know the user groups that they're a part of um, outside of just uh, of the official user group meetings um, and yes yeah, so we have some planned integrations um, in the pipeline uh, for the next several months with the with the coral site that I'm, I'm hoping is gonna make for a much better experience for our users and um, you know since since the launch of the of community.spunk.com we have gotten a lot of feedback from folks and that's fine like I, I was I was honestly really sad just like with a lot some some of the harsh critique that was coming in but I'm like you know what feedback is it's a gift it's good this is we we wanted to launch the site for the users and if they are unhappy with their certain elements of the site then we should listen it also means like they have high expectations and people don't give feedback if they think no one's going to do anything with it so that's yeah. sort of a you know a, a compliment in a way to your team that like I'm going to say this because I, I know you'll do something about it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we, we all their feedback um, areas that obviously seem way more important to users than others. It's helping us prioritize with with um, the UX team at the vendor. Like, hey, these are the, the top 10 things that are, are, are top of mind for folks. And so we're trying to set up... Um, uh, you know, a couple sprints with them to be able to crank through these and to make these user experience improvements that I think will um, make a big difference in how people engage with and can and can use the site. So, um, awesome. Bunch of UX improvements prioritized based on user feedback. Um, some future integrations, especially the one with the user group site, I think are going to be really key. Wow. Well, that's so, great. You know, there's there's something I do on one of my other podcasts, uh, Birch and. It, we have we had the he uh, loves trademark. to brag about all the other podcasts. <laughs> even. We had I this mean, tra- trademark question, and it would yeah. be like a, something we'd ask guests for fun, and just you know, like, like see consistent how it, same question. Exactly, every exactly. guest gets it. So, um, it just one just question? hit me. Well, I mean, it just hit me like I was just thinking about it right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I could, I've got two of them that I'm thinking of. The first one okay. would be. What is your? We wouldn't do two of every time. This is like an iterative process, okay, Patrick? Yes. (laughs) Um, What's your favorite SPL command? Hmm. Oh, that's tough. It's because it's the thing. I also have been really used. Do you want me to? In the past, do you want me to kill time and I'll I'll tell mine? (laughs) Um, I, you know, honestly, I, I think stats. I think stats is my favorite one. I, I think it's, it's, it's so it's so for seemingly so s- simple, right? People are like, oh, stats. It's like the first thing that you learn. Mm-hmm. But really, I feel like that's the bread and butter of 
most Splunk searches that exist out there. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of great material out there from experts like Nick Mealy and Summer Sony out there on um, just all the things that you can do with stats over all these other commands that are out there, right? So there's things like append and join or things that are um, a lot more resource intensive. And again, I learned all these things from reading Splunk Answers. Mm -hmm. Like this, again, I, it's not like I, I use it that much. If myself. I had a nickel for the number of times that I told people, hey, instead of doing dedupe and then table, why not use stats? Yeah. <laughs> the same kind of, it was, that was the first command that came to my head when Hal asked that. And it was the, exactly what you explained. It's just, it's like the dark horse of commands with the amount of um, improvements it can do on your search and, and uh, like really just make a lot of those other commands work a lot better. You yeah. know what we need to do now is we need to lead with this type of discussion for a future podcast. So yeah. Get this all out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be great. All right. Well, that worked out well. Yeah. Thankfully, awesome. I knew I knew at least one once SPL command. <laughs> You, you well, said the one command you know. So I also like T stats too. Um, I also like T stats. <laughs> Don't get me started on the syntax. <laughs> you are a you are a SQL hater. I, we'll we'll save it for next time. Okay. <laughs> hey Patrick, um, thanks a lot for for giving us some time uh, yeah. and speaking with us. Has been pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. Well. Thanks again, everyone, and happy splunking. <laughs>